Hello, hello, hello. Uh, just to start from the top, my name is Communist Pop-Tart. Welcome to episode zero of the stream. We This is going to be the first episode in the podcast series called Pop-Tart Podcast, where I will talk about all things VTuber related, um, as well as a bunch of other things that have happened in the industry during the week that I've been observing it as well as certain things relating to games, certain VTubers, things that they're up to, things that I'm up to, and just generally a discussion around VTubing as a whole, as well as a couple of little tricks that I've found along the way. That was odd. Hmm, don't know where that came from. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, I am Pop-Tart. I am a video game streamer from New Zealand. I stream video games on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And if you want to keep up to date with what I'm uh, streaming, you can always uh, find me at youtube.com forward slash at poptartvt or live here on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash poptartvt. I play video games, I talk about video games, and I show people how to do neat and interesting things on Twitch with OBS and all of those sorts of stuff. So, a lot of things have come up in VTubing. Uh, a lot of really interesting things I just want to um, touch base on. And the first thing we're going to talk about, which I think is relevant to the culture of VTubing and things relating to how to conduct yourself and all that is the controversy surrounding um, VRB. Now, for those who don't know, VRB is a very popular VTuber. Um, someone could consider even a mainstream VTuber. But she did an oopsie where she said a naughty word. The word was retard. Now, let, let's be 100% clear. Retard originally. When you go back a number of years, it was originally a medical term used to refer to those who were mentally retarded. And by that, like the original definition was like, let's say you got, let's say you got an individual in front of you. And that music is horribly loud, so we're just going to tweak that. There we go, that's a little bit more comfortable. So let's say... You got someone in front of you. Otherwise, perfectly normal person. Didn't look any different from me. Didn't look any different from you. But their mind, for whatever reason, just ticked just that little bit slower and to the left of center compared to everyone else. That's what mentally retarded meant. They're still there. They're just ticking differently inside of themselves when it comes to their mental stuff. Now, unfortunately, because at the time, um, dealing with the mentally retarded wasn't an easy thing to do, um, those who were not mentally retarded had to change the way that they acted to cater for these people. And that obviously led to frustration, which then obviously led to discrimination, which then, of, which then unfairly led to people who were differently able being referred to as retard, which then changed the definition away from this is a medical term to this is 
a derogatory slur that we're going to use to refer to people who are differently abled, who are an inconvenience to us, or who are people that we just want to talk down to. Now, I personally don't think that that is an okay thing to do. Because, end of the day, you, I, everyone else, we're all people. And we all have our own things that hold us back. And it's one thing to point out that someone is being an inconvenience. And inconveniences are things that should be dealt with. They are things that should be course-corrected, because who wants to spend their day-to-day life being unnecessarily inconvenienced? I know I don't, I know you do, but there are ways and means of correcting that, so that it goes from an inconvenience to something that's being well-managed. Now, talking down to people isn't really the way to go about that. If you have a problem with someone, you talk to that person, you understand the problem, you create a plan to manage the problem. Just being derogatory towards someone or being unjust to someone isn't really going to do you or them a service. But you just... Yeah, so when you're in those situations, just try to keep that in mind. But when it comes to the just dropping retard, even in, like, you know, intelligent conversation where you're not trying to put anyone down... You're just trying to talk about those who are differently abled in the headspace. The problem is the definitions got so horribly skewed that you can't even do that. But the situation with Vibi is she just dropped it casually. And I don't fully understand her intent behind that, but... Whether she had good intent, whether she had bad intent, unfortunately, the definition as it stands so horrib- has been so horribly changed from this is what it is to this is what it is now known as that I don't really think that was the best move. And the response I've seen from her and those who follow her is very, very much seems to be Well, yes, she knows she did something wrong, but because she's that big, she appears to think she can get away with it. Now, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe. There isn't any truth to that, but... I don't know, it's just... I do do find it interesting that, regardless of that, she is going to get away with it. Or, by that I mean... Because she's so popular, because people have this fantasy about her, because you have to keep in mind, she is a VTuber in the traditional sense. For those who don't know, I did a series discussing the history of VTubing. And to cut a long story short, VTubing finds its core in the idol scene, where you have a person in front of you who is acting as a caricature, who is acting as a character, who is there to get get your attention and put it in a chokehold, so to speak. 
And in Japan, um, that the way they do about that is they create this fantasy where the person in front of you is deemed to be pure, is deemed to be something that you... I don't want to say lust after. It's not the correct word. But as something that you feel as though, oh, this person is beautiful, so this person is pure, I'm going to pine after this idea of this person that I have. And and the, and everything around that character that that um, idol is portraying, or the person who is that idol is portraying, is so closely guarded that it's virtually protected in the same way that Disney protects their IP, where everything that that person or individual that is acting, everything that that um, idol is doing, both while they're acting and while they're off stage, has to be so closely guarded that anything that is perceived to be a threat to that fantasy, to that image that that idol is known for, is very heavily cracked down on to a point where you cannot get married, have kids, have a boyfriend, or do anything that would even come close to threatening that fantasy without the express permission of your idol agency. Now, I could go on and on about that, but I won't. We're just going to fast forward to now, where um, Verbe has essentially done the same thing. She has developed a fantasy around her character, and... People have bought into that fantasy so much that um, she is technically correct. Um, she can get away with that to a point because while there are people out there who know she said the word retard and will go, oh, well, yes, you said the word retard, but you have to keep, but we have a vested interest in this fantasy that you are giving us. So we are not going to not follow you because of that we're just going to brush off as like oh well you said retard that's fine we still love you because of this fantasy but do you really want to keep those people around because there are people who are going to be who aren't going to stand for that sort of stuff who are going to leave and when all you have is people who think that sort of carry on is okay what sort of community are you really left with and is that really a community you want? Because that's that I gotta admit that doesn't really cultivate like a community that I would want that I would want to be a part of. Anyway, so that's sort of the carry on that she's going with. I don't condone VB's actions at all, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see how VB recovers from this, assuming she tries to recover at all, and assuming she admits fault. Anyway, we we will see. We will see what VV does in regards to that. Maybe she'll release a statement, maybe she won't. Anyway. So, brand new VTubers. These aren't brand new VTubers, it's just the closest thing I could find to uh, VTubers who... I'm using this as a way to portray um, the idea of you are starting out and trying to learn what it means to be a VTuber. Uh, for those who don't know, this is um, a screenshot from Takahata's VTuber Academy, uh, where he essentially did a whole series on people who are quote-unquote learning to be a VTuber. Anyway, now, 
before, before I get started on this segment, I, I have to say, and it does feel tedious to do this, but, you know, if I don't do it, it then I'm going to get yelled at, because I'm not a professional streamer. I don't claim to be. I never claim to be. But I have to say, just to full disclosure, I'm not a professional streamer. I don't claim to have all of the answers. I never claim to have all of the answers. And I'm not saying do this, don't do that. I'm saying here are some things that I know. Here are some things that could help you. Be aware of these points and run with what you think is most relevant to you and your goals as a VTuber. That's all I'm saying. But. <laughs> but. But, 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 but. In spite of that, just in recent years, or months even, when it comes to new VTubers, one of the things that I see getting really scary uh, for those who are going through the process of creating their own brand that they're going to put on their platform, be it Twitch or YouTube, and then just throw it out to the world, one of the things I see people freak out about the most is whether they go 2D with a static image set like I have, whether they go live 2D, whether they go 3D, all the costs involved and stuff, and they think that they have to spend all that money on it. And you have to keep in mind, VTubing model, whether you go down the 2D route, whether you go down the 3D route, it's expensive. Like, it's really, really expensive. When I was doing research for this uh, particular podcast, I tried to find pricing on it, and it varies a lot, because a lot of the reports that you see is only the surface data of what it will cost to uh, create you know, a model, whether it's 2D, live 2D, or 3D. And it, a lot of it also depends on when you go to a, a particular artist who specializes in this sort of work, what their demand is, what they're charging, and what they think is appropriate based on their backlog and the amount of requests that they've received. But conservatively, across the board, it's going to cost anywhere from $0 if you're just doing it yourself to $150 to get a commission to the highest quoted figure that I've been, well, the highest, not quoted, but the highest figure I've been able to find consistently across a couple of sites is around five grand. And this is all in US dollars. And people think that they need to spend just like immediately day one, drop 5K on a VTuber model. Can you imagine that? 5K. Now, I've always taken the stand that when it comes to your VTuber model, you have to keep in mind, VTubing is a hobby, really good hobby, love it to death. However, you also have to keep in mind that you don't really get a lot of money just off of doing VTubing alone. To get to a point where you're profitable as a VTuber takes many, many, many years, unless you have a very, unless you just, just tap, just, Taparu, just touch on that particular vein at that particular time in the community where you find a particular audience that's after your particular brand, it will be very difficult for you to find any level of success where you can justify spending 
straight off the bat five, six, sometimes even 10 or 20 grand on a VTuber model. So I always, when, when I hear discussions about what route you should go down for a VTuber model, I always tend to go, look, stick to your budget, your personal budget, because you don't want to have it where you're un- out of pocket and unable to pay for bills and stuff. And go with what you can afford. Man, if you can afford a three to like a ten, twenty thousand dollar model, fine, good for you. Not everyone can, so be responsible with your money. Is all I'm saying. Also, know that you don't. How to explain? How to explain it? A model is all well and good. And if you can drop the money on it, that's fine. But you have to realize that that model is there to serve as a face for your brand, your content, the type of performance that you're putting out to your respective audience. And while you can drop like endless amounts of money on a model, do you really want to do that right off the bat when you don't really know what it is that you're trying to do, what it is you're trying to bring out to the world in terms of a performance in terms of a this is my brand this is the content that i'm bringing out to the world take baby steps is all i'm saying because there is nothing wrong with being a png tuber i'm a png tuber myself in fact and i was talking with a good friend of mine vast the rat um i think it was even last night no not last night it was two nights ago because we constantly throw ideas back and forth about different ways to be successful as content creators and one of the things she point out is that based on the research that she's done because she tapped into this she knows things about vtube and she has friends in the industry all throughout the world it's becoming actually more and more and more common for people for people to be successful as PNG tubers as opposed to live 2D or 3D models. So there is no shame in doing PNG if that's all you can afford. But whether you go down the PNG tuber route, whether you go down the live 2D route, whether you go down the 3D route, do your research. Because no one artist does models the same way because if you went to one artist and said i want a model what they create for you and what type of services they're willing to provide for that price point will be completely different to another artist who says they also create that sort of uh, model that you're after because especially with um especially when it comes to um life 2d models You'll have people who will create the art for you, but then they'll say, if you want it to be fully rigged, that's another additional charge. So when you go to your artist, look down, the, look at the breakdown of their charges, look at what they include um, for each individual price point. So if you went down live 2D, okay, this is what they're asking me for, to create the um, model. Is rigging included? What is not included? Do I need to pay an additional fee for revisions? That's what we carry on. Research what it is you're actually paying for. Also with 3D model modelers, one thing that that they really ask for quite not quite constantly, but I personally 
I personally have seen them request it a lot more now, as they'll often ask for concept art to be made for them. So I'll just... Oh god, I'll try to bring this up. Do, do, do. By the way, how's everyone's day going? I hope it's going great. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, there's an artist that I'm following. I'm just trying to bring his page up at the moment, but he's very, very talented. And I'm thinking of getting something commissioned by him. Uh, Altimus. Da, da, da. Where is it? Goddamn Artemis, where do you keep your stuff? Divine art. Ah, here we are. Yep. So I will just bring it up now. Uh, display capture three. Podcast. Whoops. I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional streamer. There we go. I'm a professional. Can you tell? I know I can. Alright, so this is something that art 3D modelers are really um, asking for a lot more now just because it's they need something to work off of to create that 3D model. And it's not impossible to find artists who will do this for you. But, you know, again, you're still having to commission that artist to create it for you. So that's another cost in addition to creating the model, in addition to having that worked so that it works for the program that you're trying to use. Um, for those who are listening to this on whatever platform I can actually get this uploaded to, uh, this is uh, concept art from an artist called Artemis Wolf. He's actually taking commissions at the moment, and if you feel like you want to um, get something commissioned by him, I'll just drop his um, Twitter handle in the chat now. Uh, do go by and 
uh, give him a follow, give him a message, because he is a really talented artist. And if I had the money spare to do it, I actually would get something commissioned for him, because there is a particular photo that I want done, and I don't have the talent to do it myself, and I have a feeling he just might be the kind of person that I need to get this done. But yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the I don't have the money to do commissions at the moment. That's another thing. You, well, yeah, just to further remind you, be responsible with your money. Treat it like a hobby. Spend what you can. If you can afford a little bit more, oh, that's fine. Okay. And another thing that um, I think is quite interesting to note, especially especially from a um, research standpoint is Streamlabs versus OBS. I'm still coming across people who, f for reasons that I cannot explain, have decided that, uh, for better or worse, they're going to continue to use Streamlabs. That's something that they're just going to do. Now, I, I personally, I've, I've been against Streamlabs since day dot if you if you use streamlabs right and that's your preferred platform to have it where you will use that to capture whatever it is you're capturing and share it out to the world you know what good for you that's that's not sarcasm by the way it's just my way of saying i can see that you're using that i can see that you find interest in that and you know what i appreciate you deciding that that's your platform because I, I I can definitely see why that's something to respect. But for me personally, my computer's ten years old. Okay, <laughs> it's it's not by any stretch of the imagination a new computer. It is ancient as shit. You want to know how old my computer is? My computer's so old it uses DDR. DDR3, my guy. That's like Windows 7 spec RAM. Jesus. I mean, it, it runs like a machine. It is great for what I need it to do. But it's... Oh boy, with some games, it is starting to show its age. And, yeah, it's just... One of the games that I was going to stream is... Well, was... Um, satisfactory because all throughout the pandemic when I was just locked in my house and learning how to grind coffee by hand you know I needed a hobby as did everyone and I played a lot of satisfactory and you know what I really love that game I think it's great unfortunately uh, because a lot of the updates that I've done my computer can no longer support it because it's a it is a Bit of a beast of a game for a computer of my age to handle. So I had to step away from that and I tried a couple of games and given the amount of extra load that Streamlabs puts on my computer, I couldn't justify it given that although it had additional features that most of which were behind a paywall, I needed lightweight. I needed bare bones. I needed just enough to make a recording I needed just enough, right, 
to put myself out to the world and I didn't need any of the fat. I needed light weight, which is why I use OBS. Now, OBS was a learning curve, as is Streamlabs, I'm sure. But now that I'm more comfortable with it, now that I'm more familiar with the do's and don'ts, you know what? I I always recommend stream OBS to everyone. Because why put that extra load on your PC when you really don't need to? As someone who builds computers, that doesn't make any sense to me. And it's great because OBS can run on virtually everything. But there are a couple of things. Niggly things that you need to learn, but obviously, if you're just starting out and you're trying to decide between the two, try both. But personally, I recommend OBS every single day, and I will never stop recommending it. Well, yeah, just um, yeah, just just speaking about um, computers and stuff like that, it reminds me of the first gaming computer that I ever built. Because for those who don't know, um, I've talked about it on a stream a couple of times, but my everything that I ever needed to know about building computers, I learned because we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So when I needed to build a computer, or when I wanted a computer, because I didn't, it's a more of a want than a need, if I'm perfectly honest. I didn't have hundreds and thousands of dollars to drop on the latest CPU, the latest anything. I had to deal with second-hand computers. I had to deal with boxes of discarded parts and just work with what was in front of me. And I learned a lot. I learned a couple of sketchy things, but I learned a lot. Like one of the things I learned is, especially with, oh God, what was it? This is a bit before everyone's time, but I remember, like, when processors still have like still had like legit pins on it, and I was taking processors in and out, and I didn't properly open uh, the clamp that hold the CPU in place. Like I had bent pins, and then I had to spend ages realigning them, and oh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> but there was this one one PC I built, and it was I had a case that I wasn't using for anything. Or I had it, or I had a motherboard in there that really wasn't what I needed, and I also had this little Hewlett Packard um, half height desktop. Oh, it's, it's, it was an office computer. I can't remember the specific model, but I think it was called a, I think it was a half height was the quote unquote definition or spec from Hewlett Packard at the time, and yeah, it, it was it was great. And I had a graphics card, so I threw it in, in there. But the problem was, it was a graphics card that um, didn't really have a heat sink on it. Like, just to give you an idea of what a like, passive... Um, yeah, it, it just... It, just, it didn't have a fan on it. It was literally just a metal heat sink bolted to the graphics card and that was what I used for cooling right didn't really work because I noticed it overheated like a motherfucker when I was playing Unreal Tournament kind of sketch but what I ended up doing to fix that and believe it or not it actually worked is there was um I had a bunch of parts because keep in mind I had like boxes and boxes of just like you know spare parts broken parts just just errant little things right 
And one of the things I had was a Pentium 2 processor. Like, see that? Yeah, that looks like a cassette. That looks like a VHS tape. That looks like a stick of RAM. But at one, at one point in time, right? At one point in time, you had like slot A and slot B processors, which is where you plugged it in, which is where you had your CPU on its own board, and then you plugged it into your motherboard like you would a graphics card, and that was your CPU, right? I took the heatsink off of it, then I physically clipped it, right, into my graphics card, and it it was great, but unfortunately, um, I noticed that over time it was slowly starting to bend the graphics card to a point where it almost broke. Broke. So what I did is I propped it up uh, with one of these. <laughs> so I literally had it standing at the bottom of my case, sitting on top of a little source container just to stop it from bending, and it worked. Like, it held that bitch straight as an arrow. And I gamed on that for, like, a good, good long while. Like, I had that computer for, I think, before I got a slightly better one and used that as my quote-unquote main PC. Um, yeah, it, it was great. I, I actually took that build to university when I was studying to be a computer technician, right? And I showed everyone, and it was just unanimously referred to as the pizza box. Which, funnily enough, because um, we, when we took all our computers to uni just to play LAN games and stuff like that, because we were that ahead of our assessments, um, our tutor at the time, who had been in industry for a while, said there is actually a technical definition in industry referred that refers to computers that were just built from spare parts as pizza boxes like that's an actual term that people use when they need new computers but they can't afford to buy new they just rebuild it out of spare parts and boom pizza box i don't know why but it's a term that exists right now but i learned a lot of things um one of the other videos that they showed and i have to show it to you because it's just that insane is um stuff relating to overclocking now if you don't know what overclocking is, easiest way to explain it, right, is when you have a CPU, right, which is the quote-unquote brains of your computer, it gets more technical than that. All you need to know is CPU equals brain of computer. Keep it simple. Um, that CPU um, has what's called a clock speed, which means every second it will process new information. And when you overclock it, you're forcing it to think faster than what the factory um, manufactured it to think at. So if, let's say it was for, you say the factory um, forced it to um, think at 40,000 uh, ticks per second, um, overclocking is where you force it to go 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 ticks per second. Like, that's not the technical term for for it, but that's just to help you object, objectively understand what overclocking is. You're forcing your CPU to think faster. But there's a lot of danger involved in that, and I'll show you why. Now, this is a video of a guy who had an AMD processor, right? AMD Geron, and what he did is he overclocked it, but the thing with overclocking is you have to keep your shit...
cold. All right, if you let it heat up, shit like this will happen. damn but yeah that's just an, so for those who don't know um what he did is he had a amd Duron, which is a very old old amd processor overclocked it took the heat sink off and it got so hot that the and it got so hot that the cpu suffered a critical failure and as a result the entire cpu exploded through the motherboard and then through the table and then the cpu itself actually cracked into i believe it was Yeah, it cracked into about five parts, but he only managed to recover four of them. So if you are thinking about overclocking, be responsible. Okay. Wow, 40 minutes. But yeah, I think that's going to be it for episode zero of the Pop-Tart podcast. We're just going to leave it there. Um, for those who are just joining in, hi, my name is Pop-Tart. I am a video game streamer from New Zealand. I stream on Wednesday, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sunday. And if you want to keep up to date with the what's, the where's, and when of me streaming, uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter, TikTok, Discord, YouTube, and right here at home on Twitch. But if you want to find out where those links are, you can come to my chat and type an exclamation point links at any time or if you're listening to this on uh spotify apple itunes or wherever this recording ends up uh you can find me at linktr.ee forward slash pop tart vt uh, that will link you through to all of my links that's linktr.ee forward slash pop tart vt 
Uh, thank you all for joining in for episode zero. Do let me know how, what you think. And we'll be back potentially even next week even. Hopefully we'll have a guest on that we can uh, shoot the shit with. Uh, but for now, we're just going to leave this as a trial episode that it is. And we will send it out into the ether. Thank you all for joining in. And we'll leave it at there. Bye for now.